So right now we're joined by Brian Bedford with Recruit Route. And so, Brian, if you could just kind of give our listeners kind of what it is that Recruit Route does and just kind of the history of it. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, excited. You've had a bunch of my buddies on here before uh, on different interviews. So that's really cool. Um, but uh, so, my, I mean, I guess I'll start with this. I mean, my background is I'm a uh, I'm kind of a 25 year veteran of the world of recruiting and tech and media and have kind of lived in that space for a long, long time. And I uh, was a division one recruiting director at TCU and started division two program and was football operations and recruiting director um, way back in the day before many of you guys were, were, were around. And um, but when I got out of that and kind of transitioned to different aspects of uh, sports and recruiting and all that fun stuff, uh, people would just come up and say, my son wants to try to play college football or, you know, basketball or baseball or whatever in college. It was as simple as that, right? Nothing magical. Like guys, you guys age, uh, you know, like just a bunch of dads saying, Hey, you know, help my little son or help my daughter or whatever it was. And, um, I, I actually, you know, was just like, well, you know, I don't know. I got a job and I'm, I'm busy and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, maybe I can help a few people. And, um, you know, I'd been on the other side of the, fence of this thing and I thought well um, I think I know some stuff that some other people don't know so maybe I can start from there and you know given your sooner ties I actually went about seven years ago to speak at a at an event um with uh with a friend of mine JD Runnels former oh, fullback yeah. at Oklahoma yeah. and JD had me come over to uh one of his he was at that time training a bunch of kids here in the metro uh, area and he came had me come and speak and I had a family that came up to me after the fact and their son was a uh, getting ready to be a junior in high school at Mustang and it, they said we don't know what we're doing we have no idea what level he can play at we don't know where he should go we don't know how we should correspond with coaches we don't know any of this stuff and I said well I think I can help you why don't we meet at Panera and let's go and uh, that's how it started I mean it was as simple as that and recruit routes just came taken off it's certainly got more complicated the last couple of years with COVID and the transfer portal and, and uh, NIL and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, that's kind of the short version of how we've got here. So it's been a fun ride. Lost you for. Did you lose me? Yeah, we're, we're good we're now. Good. We can hear you. Um, okay. Yeah, Brian. You talked about, you kind of touched on it where things have changed more recently with the transfer portal. I'm just curious as far as how that has impacted maybe some high school recruits kind of with uh, just more colleges taking more people in the portal as opposed to high school recruits. Yeah, I think, it. Um, you know, certainly if you talk to a recruiting director, they're going to tell you they're holding back about 25% of their available roster spots for kids in the portal uh, than they would um, high school kids. So I think, you know, naturally you're seeing a little bit of that. Um, that's at the very highest level though. I mean, that's really division one football. The, the, as you go down, that doesn't necessarily ring true. I mean, there, there's certainly, you know, um, you know, division two and FCS, they were always taking kids in the transfer. I mean, that's normal. They were always taking bounce backs or kids transferring, but I think um, in the, you know, kind of major college division one area that it, I think you guys are kind of focused in on today. Yeah. They're holding a couple of spots back. Um, 
Um, but it also, they're also doing that because they know that kids are going to leave their own program too. Right. So, you know, if you look at most rosters, that bottom kind of 10 to 15% of the roster, um, it, not, it kind of naturally evolves. Those kids that are in the bottom kind of 10 for 10 or 15% of the roster that are there, um, it's probably a reach for them for whatever reason, it wasn't a fit. Either they're not athletic enough the academic is difficult. They maybe have some other thing that's happened in their lives that you don't know about. So you're always going to have kind of that. And then you're always going to have kind of the mark, you know, there, there's always the 1% situation where you have like this star kid that wants to transfer for whatever reason, right? The Jalen Hurts kind of situation where those kinds of things, but the majority of the kids that you're seeing actually go into the portal are actually kids that weren't playing. They just want to go somewhere and play. And so, no, I like to play sports and I like to play when I was, you know, back in the day. And so I can't blame them for wanting to go somewhere. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, they, they certainly are kind of, you know, trying to manage to that and trying to figure it out. Um, But that's a big number. I mean, you don't want to be building your roster out of the portal. You want to be complementing it and you want to be augmenting, uh, your roster and, and you, you know, most of those guys, um, you know, they're, they're going to tell you, they want to, they certainly want to be knee deep in the high school recruiting space. So um, it, while it doesn't have an impact um, if, if you're building your roster, uh, pri- well, and um, there are certain situations where you want to go a little heavier, but I would say, you know, if you're talking about an SEC or a big 12 or a PAC 12 or big 10 or ACC program, uh, you you need to do really well with player development and recruiting high school kids. Like that's still got to be your bread and butter. And then there's just going to be the natural ebb and flow now where, you know, the bottom of your roster is going to try to find another place that they can play at. And you're going to need to backfill and find new players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian. Uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Yeah. And so, I want to know, because I'm not really familiar with Taylor Himes, so we know that he signed with OU, but could you kind of just talk about his story? Yeah, no, it's a good one. Um, and, and Taylor's been a fun kid to kind of work with for a couple of years. Um, you know, his mom and dad came to us uh, almost two years ago, to be honest with you, Jackson. And um, it was, you know, kind of similar to the story that I kind of described earlier, right? Um, we you know, we need help. We don't know what we're doing. Um, we think our son's a pretty good player, but we have no idea where that, you know, kind of, you know, lines up as a junior at Bethany, it's a four, a school, just, you know, right in the Oklahoma city Metro area. Um, Taylor was, um, yeah, Taylor played quarterback and receiver there. They would go with kind of a platoon quarterback regime, and they did that his senior year as well. Um, and then he would play um, at receiver. And so you had kind of this like, okay, interesting junior film, can see he's athletic, um, didn't really know exactly what he ultimately would kind of evolve into, thought um, um, thought he probably projected as a tight end with his height. He's a true 6'5". Wow. And so – uh, I know there's been some Twitter debate on that. He's a legit six five kid. He's super tall. I'm six two, and he he I'm dwarfed by him. I mean, he's so much bigger than me. Um, 
And uh, but so could could kind of see okay he's got some measurables and we kind of know the profile of measurables the schools are looking for, and so um, then we got to junior spring of his junior year and I always encourage kids to play multiple sports um, absolutely don't specialize um, and he didn't he he ran track uh, which I don't think he was a big fan of but um, it helped him immensely um, he joined the Bethany um, track. Uh, team and went and won three state titles as junior. I uh, won the four by one. He ran the four by two, and he um, and uh, and with about three or four weeks before the state championship, his coaches decided, "Hey, man, you're pretty athletic. Why don't you try to figure out how to long jump?" And so he won wins an individual long jump title. And so um, there's definitely some correlations that you can see, um, with track times and long jump and time, uh, long jump distances, high jump, dis uh, heights and shot discus javelin, all that stuff. There's very much correlations to what that, how that works in the world of football recruiting. And so we started to get on some, uh, radars. Um, and so we went through the summer camp circuit last year and, um, started to, you know, by the spring and, and certainly then the summer, um, he started getting a bunch of kind of division two interest. Um, he went to a bunch of camps, um, but the big guys, he didn't really fit a box, um, which kind of hurt him because nobody knew what he was. Yeah. Um, and so this, the, the label athlete can work for you, but it also can work against you. And in Taylor's kind of case, he was six, five and 190 pounds. And so you had to kind of project, you know, is he going to be two thirty? Or is he going to be, you know, like a slow receiver at six five? Like, what was he going to be? And so, um, a lot of people were like intrigued. Like, okay, this is interesting. And so he started getting some. We get went through camp and started to get some like FCS offers, like um, South Dakota State and folks like that started to show great interest in him. And then his senior year came around. And he'd put all this work in and he really kind of stuck to kind of the script of things that we recommend our kids do. And, um, you know, we always tell kids, get your first three games of film out. And uh, I'd seen his first game and he'd run like a pick six back, like it was 108 yards against maybe John Marshall or something like that. And I was like, oh, OK, this looks a little different now that he's on defense. And so his defensive film really helped him immensely. Um, you could start to see explosiveness in a different way. You could see his length. Uh, he's got super long arms and you could see that height really coming through. Um, and then he's kind of sitting behind, you know, a lot of success as a junior, three state championships, a bunch of camps, all that kind of stuff. And so then we got into kind of, you know, really making a push and, um, you know, went through kind of the middle of the year and it was, then it was, you know, Navy. It's kind of got a big offer from Navy and they thought, okay, here we go. And then it was army right after that. And then it was air force. And so a lot of those guys work together. I mean, they kind of work in unison. They follow each other really closely on the kids they're recruiting. And, uh, and I thought, okay, well, we, we got a little something here and, and then had a bunch of, you know, the Yales and the Browns and, you know, the Ivies and some of those kind of guys. Um, it wasn't until we got to, um, late November and then Ohio had offered and it's like, okay, we got a Mac school. Like, okay, we got like a legit division one school that isn't one of the academies. So you kind of take it in progress. Right. And then, um, 
I had a good buddy at La Tech uh, that I coached with when I was at TCU. And I called and said, hey, man, I, I've got a kid I think you need to take a look at. Like, I think he could fit for you guys. And um, he actually came up to Oklahoma City and was like, yeah, I like that kid a lot. And uh, then they offered him and I thought, OK, like, OK, we're, 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 we're playing with house money now. Like, here we yeah. go. Yeah. And then and then um, and then uh, and, and then uh, and then after that. Um, I sent a text on December the 14th. I could show it to you guys. But you'll just have to take my word for it. I sent a text to uh, a couple of members of the OU staff that I know. And I said, Hey, I got a kid here that you just need to take a look at. Like, I'm not saying he's an offer kid, but I just want you to take a look at him. Uh, Cause it's really not my job to tell him whether or not he's an offerable kid. You know, that's their job. Right. But, but, you know, I, I, I just sent him a text and I said, Hey, just pass this kid along. Like, you know, and he's got enough senior film that's intriguing to me that I don't think you've seen. And that was on December 14th. Like a lot of people think it's magical, but literally it was December 14th. Cause I knew that I needed to, he needed to have enough offers in tow or it really didn't make sense. And, and uh, at that point in time, you know, he had just visited Ohio and, you know, had loved it, thought it was great. And we basically made the decision that um, we weren't going to sign early. I, I just had a gut experience will tell you this. And I just felt like, okay, I, I don't think that you need to sign early. I think you need to wait uh, because you'd only been on one official visit. So why don't we come back and you can take your official visit to La Tech at that point in time on Martin Luther King weekend. And uh, and then, you know, you can go to Air Force and th those were kind of the first those were kind of the three main ones at the time is Ohio Air Force and, and La Tech. And, and so we kind of planned those out the first couple of weeks when we got back from Christmas break. And I actually went to um, this is the part that not a lot of people know. So, you know, sooner Surge will get a little bit of a scoop here is that um, I actually went to the Oklahoma Coaches Convention um, in Shawnee and. Uh, I, uh, I got a phone call from North Texas um, the day before Taylor was going to um, La Tech. And I said, guys, like, I, I think I've got one here that can play for you. And, you know, he's been to your camp. He really likes your campus at North Texas. And, and, and at this point, I'm thinking, man, like, if he got a North Texas offer, that kid needs to do backflips. Like, this is great, right? And uh, and I said, but listen, man, if you're going to get in the game, like I need you to get in the game tonight because I want you I want him to think about uh, I want you to I want him to think about North Texas on a seven hour drive to Ruston, Louisiana, because he's got to drive through Denton to get to Ruston, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, they offered him that night. And uh, and and in the middle of that, there was also one other thing is that I get to Shawnee for the coaches convention and I. I happened to run into Steve Spurrier Jr. and Kevin Wilson, the new offense coordinator at Tulsa, and Kevin Wilson, new head coach at Tulsa. And I happened to run into those guys in the reception. And I said, you guys, you know, welcome to Oklahoma. Welcome back. I know you don't know from anything, but I have a kid here that I think, you know, could be a fit. At this point, like, I'm again, I'm playing with house money. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I got nothing to lose. Like, it's a in-state kid, long, great film. And uh, they called him on the spot with me sitting there. Um, and they didn't even know really much about I me. Mean, they were like, where, where does he play? What position? I'm like, well, I don't know. He's going to be a something. I'm not sure what he's going to be. Um, and then I ended up seeing the OU staff that night at the same event. And I said, um, hey, like, I think Tulsa is going to pull the trigger. And 
which they ended up doing. And, uh, and at that point in time, OU had said, yeah, we, uh, at this point, the OU stuff had kind of picked up. Um, they already offered him a, a chance to come and walk on. And we had politely declined that and said, thank you, but no, thank you. We weren't interested in that. And, um, yeah, I mean, a couple days later after that whole deal in Shawnee, um, I get a phone call from Taylor's dad and said, or Taylor, and he says, yeah, Brent Venables just face my FaceTime me like five minutes ago out of the blue right before my basketball game. I nearly, you know, messed <laughs> myself up, you know, just was totally surprised by the FaceTime. And, uh, and then he, and he basically told Taylor, like, listen, I'm not calling about walking on. I'm calling like about something more than that, but you know, we got to do our homework about you. And uh, the rest is history. So it's a pretty cool story, man. Yeah, that's that's really a great story. Uh, Venables followed it up that night by attending the game. That was really where I realized, okay, this Taylor Heim thing is, it's for real. Like to make the offer and then attend the game, like in Kiefer, Oklahoma. Like yeah. who would have thought yeah. Brent Venables out in Kiefer? And really, really glad he's a Sooner. I really appreciate what you did for him to get him in the Crimson and Cream. Uh, but he's not the only uh, athlete that you have going to OU. Uh, Jacob Snyder's another one. Can yep. you tell us a little mm-hmm. about him? Yeah, Jacob's, uh, you know, his family's one that I've known for several years. Um, uh, worked with his older brother that ended up um, kicking at Pitt State and will be a senior there at Pitt State and he's had a great, you know, career. Um, both uh, his older brother was at Wagner and then went on to, went certainly went on to pick uh, Pitt State. And then, um, you know, we knew we would do the same kind of thing. And I kind of have a, I'm a glutton for habit, you know, when you've done this a long time, um, mm-hmm. you just, you've got a r- rhythm to the way that you, you handle recruiting. And I have certainly a big network of coaches that um, I've known for a long, long time um, and knew Jacob was a really, really good player. Um, um, you know, had, kind of followed him and his, you know, obviously with his older brother for a couple of years and could kind of see him having success early. Um, he had a bunch of success in um, wrestling, which is really, you know, like he's a, you know, he's going to be, you know, he'll be once again, one of the top wrestlers in the state of Oklahoma in the 165 class. And so you could kind of see some things with Jacob that were really interesting. Um, you know, fortunately he's not, he's a little, uh, He's a little altitude challenged. He's not the tallest guy in the world. And so um, we knew that it was about fit and trying to find, you know, a situation for him. Um, he had um, just a – he had – you know, he he actually probably was recruited faster, uh, much faster than Taylor was in the context of you're at a school like Bixby who, you know, um, has had just tons of success mm-hmm. – um, and this day and across the borders. And um, so a lot of people knew him because they were coming through Bixby with all of the talent that was there with coach Montgomery and staff. And so we got through the spring and he had a handful of offers and um, uh, places like Navy and uh, air force and a bunch of division, bunch of really good division two offers like Pitt state and UCO and, Emporia and just a bunch of those kinds of schools started to have some, uh, you know, kind of FCS schools that were interested in him. And um, candidly, I thought, you know, um, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe he is going to be kind of one of those academy kids kind of fits the profile. He's, 
is exactly what they're looking for kind of, you know, um, fitting into their program. But at the end of the day, you know, Jacob was, um, you know, certainly grew up a Sooner fan. Mm -hmm. Mom and dad have been to a jillion Sooner games in life. He's got a girlfriend at OU as well. That never hurts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and wanted to stay close to home. And, you know, that's really important. And I, you know, as a parent, I can totally appreciate, you know, kids, you know, not want, you know, there's certainly a bunch of kids that are like, Hey, I want to go to Hawaii to college, but, you know, I certainly appreciate those kids that are like, you know, I, I want to stay close to home and, and be close to my kind of family unit and family and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it was really the week before the state championship game. Um, <clears throat> they started to engage with Jacob, um, started following him on Twitter and ask a couple questions and, um, coach Hall and coach Venables, um, just, you know, um, said, you know, he had been down there a little bit on some game day visits, but it started to really pick up. And, you know, I think if you look at their success um, at the slot receiver, one of the other kids that we worked with last year is Gavin Freeman, you know, yeah. and that was one of our kids too, right? So, yeah. you know, it kind of fits that. Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman, like he fits that inside slot mm-hmm. receiver spot. And they've got a couple other kids that they brought on kind of in that same mold. Like we're going to bring you in as a, you know, preferred walk-on. Drake was a preferred walk-on, then on scholarship. Gavin, preferred walk-on, then on scholarship recently. So I think they're trying to find, you know, a something here to where they give those kids that, you know, maybe don't quite have the measurables, but have a lot of the intangibles to come on their uh, roster. So couldn't be more thrilled for Jacob and the Snyder family. Like, just good, good, great family and great fit for them, and that's the right situation. You find the right spot that's home, man. You got to go for it. Yeah. Bet on yourself. Yeah, with Jacob, I mean, I first played against him, first grade INFC football, and all there the coaches, him and Fugate from Bixby, are like, those kids are they're going to be D1 football players. And it's yeah. I really appreciate stuff that you do with the players that are overlooked and getting mm-hmm. them to that level. Because in my opinion, like the PWO, there's so many talented players that just aren't given the opportunity. So really yeah. appreciate what you're doing for those guys. Yep. I actually go to school with them, and I'm a junior, so I'm a year younger, but I've watched them play through high school. I'm like, there's no way that they shouldn't at least get a look by OU. They're so talented players. So, But once again, I want to say just like, Hunter, I appreciate your work with them. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, you know, the the, – Every kid's got to find the right fit for them. And sometimes, sometimes walking on or taking an opportunity like that is the right fit in many situations. It's not, you know, so, so it's a balance between, you know, finding the right opportunity for you and the right opportunity for your family financially, there's implications. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, But for those kids that, um, you know, uh, have the opportunity to bet on themselves financially, them and their family can, um, you know, can, can, uh, can deal with those situations, then, you know, it can make, it, it can be a really good situation at the same time, you know, there's risk, right? Because, you know, you may never play at a, at such a, a an elite program at whether it's Oklahoma or Alabama or Clemson or Notre Dame. And so you have to, you have to weigh those things. Um, and so, um, but it, that's all part of the process of kind of consulting with them and their parents and mm-hmm. trying to find the right situation that makes the most sense for them. Yeah. I'm a, uh, Brian, I coach track in Sepulpa. I'm one of the track coaches there. And so yeah. I saw the tweet about the NFL combine is 63% or I think something uh, was the number of 
track and field. Uh, and you talked yep. about earlier about not specializing in one sport. That is very encouraging to hear because there's so much specialization now at younger ages. So maybe talk a little bit about why you think multi-sport athletes are so important. Yeah, I mean, I, gosh, it's just, I mean, I could, we could go, we could have one whole, maybe we should have another podcast on just this topic alone. Yeah. I mean, it's such an important one, but I mean, Jeremy, I, I, it's, you know, competition is so important and I don't care what you're in. I don't care if it's tiddlywinks. I don't care if it's playing horse in your front yard. I don't care if it's, you know, lining up 11 on 11 or in a track meet or whatever, like go compete and show people that you can go win. And uh, I think it shows a lot um, about kind of the character and so, so forth. Um, the other part of it is that especially in track, well, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, you know, in in track, um, we can obviously do correlations, and you know this of being a coach. We can do correlations to um, athletic movement. And, you know, in Taylor's situation, I'll give you a funny story. I'll give you a story about track, and I'm going to give you a story about wrestling for both the two kids that you asked me about. So in track, um, somewhere 24-7, even though I don't think Taylor ever, ever ran the open hundred. Um, he only ran on the relays, um, somewhere out there, um, 24, seven, put a track time of 11, two, five on his profile. And I don't think he ever ran the hundred meters. Okay. But before law tech was going to offer him coach Cumbie and the defensive staff there who were evaluating him, they wanted to make sure that we got verified, numbers track numbers mm -hmm. and we got verified camp numbers so we literally went back i called all the places that he camped at and i went back to his and got his track times and we sent them verified track data because they wanted to see the correlation of his jumps and his runs okay before they made the offer and it was all based on track okay so i mean you don't think track is important yeah. man i mean that's a perfect example mm -hmm. secondly um, when Jacob went on his visit to Navy, um, Brian Newberry, who's now the head coach at, at Navy, is a good personal friend. We went to high school together at Westmore. Um, he was a defense coordinator. He's the Oklahoma, he was the Oklahoma recruiter. Um, when Jacob came up, he's like, hey, Jacob's up here today. I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, you know, take care of him. And he said, you know, tell me what you know, any character issues, what's mom and dad like, yada, yada, you know, the normal thing that coaches ask for. And I said, hey, by the way, you know he wrestles, right? He's like, I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, he'll be like top five in the state probably. And he goes, all right, done deal. We're going to offer him. <laughs> I mean, guys, like I'm just telling you, playing more sports, and if you are an elite athlete at those levels, it makes a big difference. I tell my wrestlers, um, I'll give you one uh, from last year as well. I had an O-lineman from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, and he was about 6'6 six, six and 300 pounds, and he probably was too heavy at camp. He probably went to camp in the summertime at about 315, 320, and it was just too big. Just didn't run real well, didn't look athletic. But I said, no, 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 we're going to, you know, football season's over. He was down to about 300. I said, what are you going to wrestle at? He's like, I'll probably wrestle at 295, 300. I said, okay. Then I want all of those wrestling matches, you in a heavyweights, I want you in a singlet on film. 
And so we started putting out his wrestling footage on social media and people could see his body type. People could see him moving. People could see his, how he, how he used leverage as an O lineman. And so I love for my linemen to wrestle or throw the shot or throw the disc, right? Because they need to be doing something else besides just, you know, working pass pro in February. Like they need to be doing something else. So Jeremy can't, I'm a huge multi-sport guy. Like it's absolutely critical to do it. So I'm your number one fan, brother. That's awesome. Hey, hey, Brian, one thing, I mean, it's so encouraging to just hear hear what you do at Recruit Route because I can only imagine all that's involved with the recruiting process. And now you throw in NIL and everything yeah. else. I mean, what what as far as NIL do you help? Is it just kind of just to help the the you're the kind of in person in between to kind of help figure all that out? I mean, I'm just I'm sure there's so much involved with everything. Yeah, sure. Well, so um, I'll, uh, so it's a great question. So, I mean, on the athlete side, certainly we've got our kids who, you know, they've got a, you know, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out to all the kids that we work with. They have an app that they can ask me questions, them and their mom and dad, they have tools they can use for recruiting. And so all of that stuff is kind of part of what we naturally do consulting them. Like if they were to bring me a deal, I'm reviewing it. I could re- review it with an attorney, like all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so we're really kind of, you know, again, focused in on education and mentoring and things like that. Our whole, my holding company, the Bedford Agency, which is kind of the holding company to recruit route, um, we consult with schools and school districts all across the country. So, you know, we, we, um, we're the partner of record with the state of Oklahoma and the OSSAA. So I'm literally helped write the guidelines that impact um, youth sports and secondary education here in the state of Oklahoma. And then we're working with school districts across the state to educate their coaching staffs. So what does it mean for you? What can you do? What can't you do? What should you be telling your kids? What should you be telling your parents? And so we're educating coaches on recruiting and NIL literally all across Oklahoma, but naturally then, you know, we are engaged in conversations um, certainly Jason all across the country. So a lot of stuff happening, but yeah. So we think of ourselves as really kind of at the cornerstone of, cornerstone of educating in all of these areas, academics, recruiting, and certainly NIL. And, and, and we educate different stakeholders in different ways because of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think with uh, NIL, as far as maybe if someone's a PWO, but they can get NIL opportunities, do you think it's maybe helped, people going on PWO now that they can maybe get uh, an NIL opportunity to kind of help pay for scholarship fees and stuff? Yeah, um, I think it it does have an impact. Um, You look at what Oklahoma is doing where they're offering. um, So, so the answer is yes. And And I'll talk about Oklahoma in just a minute, but you know, if you step back, there's kind of two different ways that people are engaging in uh, name, image, and likeness today. The first is directly one-on-one between them and a brand. And so, you know, whether it's a local, regional, or national brand, majority of that is 80 to 90% of that is coming via social impressions and social media and things like that. Then you have the collective, which is basically crowdsource fundraising through a nonprofit to where those student athletes are working inside basically a nonprofit to give back. So they're volunteering their time. And so the money is an exchange for the time they're given. Instead of it being a job, now they've got to go to the soup kitchen or, you know, whatever mission it is out there. And they're, they're, they're spending time there, but in return, they're getting 
you know, a reciprocal fee for that, right? And so that's what you're seeing these nonprofit collectives happen. I think the cool part about it, and it really is, you know, kind of dependent on how much the collective, how well it's organized and it's operated and managed and how much they fundraise. If you can fundraise to a level where you can also include your walk-ons, that's a great thing. And it allows every kid to kind of be part of it. But independent of that, I always tell kids, don't plan on that. Like, mm-hmm. I know that I think we've kind of felt like we've set a market trend for that. But if you really want to do something really special in the world of name, image, and likeness, then you need to be more active on social and you need to be active and create more content that will then attract more followers. Because in the college space, 80% of the transactions are coming off of social media influencing. So this idea of an influencer economy is really what's driving the large valuations that you're seeing some players get. It's just based on how many followers they have because brands are coming saying, okay, that kid is, you know, if you are, 13 to 21 that kid is somebody that you guys look up to and so he's got 30,000 followers we want him to be a brand ambassador for our or our insurance agency or whatever it may be that's out there right um the collectives are just you know they're I mean, you're, you, you've got to work for it. I mean, you got to go, I mean, there's tax implications if you don't. So you've got to be going to and volunteering or working at, you know, one of these collectives in the nonprofit manner. If you're not, that's what's getting programs in trouble, right? When they're trying to fudge this type of stuff. But um, I think it's a great opportunity for all kids if the kids want to do it. And yeah. so not every kid wants to do NIL. Um, you know, not every kid wants to be part of that. And so, um, the collectives are kind of a whatever, but when you really think about the true letter of the law, what name, image, and likeness is, like not every kid, you know, wants to do that, you know, because you're literally running your own brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got to think about um, what do you want to be, what brands do you want to associate with, what are you know, are you putting money back, have you thought about taxes, have you thought about legal constructs with agreements. Are you just doing trade? What are you, you know, what all of that stuff looks very different. And uh, so it's cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, not every kid wants to do that. Not every kid wants to go to an autograph session or not every kid wants to go volunteer their free Saturday when you're, you know, super intense or not every kid wants to do a public speaking event. So there's certain kids that do. But there's a bunch of kids that are introverts that they're like, I have no interest in doing that. And so it's about finding the right setup and situation um, when it comes to NIL. Brian, so as we know, you've covered lots of players throughout your time since since you really started a recruit route. Do you maybe have a favorite story of a player that you've gotten to cover? Um, yeah, I mean, I um, there's probably a, a couple. Um, I have. Uh, you know, the 2020 class was a pretty unique one for us. Um, we had two U.S. Army All-Americans, <laughs> and yeah. that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have that. Um, Cam Little, who's the place kicker at Arkansas, mm-hmm. who's also <laughs> my nephew, <laughs> coincidentally, was oh, one really? of them. And then, and then uh, Aiden Kelly, um, who is at Oklahoma State, and will be competing for the starting spot this next year. 
at defensive tackle. Um, what a really unique situation to have two kids at that level getting recruited. Um, Aiden came to me in January uh, of his junior year, and we met at a Brahms out in like Kingfisher, Oklahoma, and uh, with his mom and dad. And I had gotten tipped off about him from another former OU guy, Bronson Irwin, played O-line at, o- oh, yeah. at OU. Bronson had said, hey, I'm working out this kid, and he's got a shot. Like, I think there might be a something. And so I watched a little bit of film, and I was like, yeah, I'm coming to see you. There's not a lot of 6'3", 285-pound kids who can run. So I'm going to come to you. And so I literally went and got a scoop of ice cream and met him at a Brahms in Kingfisher, but after a basketball game. So like he's hot and sweaty and just mm-hmm. whatever, ready to just mal and like eight cheeseburgers at Brahms. And we just sat down and talked about it. And so from January to April, he went from zero offers to 26 division one offers in three months. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. It was like a rocket ship. I mean, he first called me and he was like, well, I got offered by Arkansas State. I don't even know what to do. And then it was Iowa State. And then it was wow. and then it was like, all right, well, uh, uh, Minnesota. And then it was Syracuse. And I go, well, do you know where Syracuse, New York is at? He's like, no, I got no idea where Syracuse, New York is at. And then it was – East Carolina, and then it was Nebraska, and then Oklahoma State, and then on and on and on. And that was pretty cool because that was like a rocket ship. Like, it was three months. And then it was kind of done. Like, COVID hit, and he couldn't take a visit. He'd been to to OSU a couple times, and then he'd been to OTCU. TCU offered him. Uh, Same guy who recruited Taylor Hine, by the way. And and it was kind of between those two. And he's like, man, I'm a homebody. I just want to fish and hunt and – hang around here and I'm a, you know, like I got a bunch of friends that are going to Oklahoma state. I think I'm just going to go there. And I was like, perfect, man, let's do it. And, uh, that's a pretty cool one. Um, but to have him and cam at the same time, get named yeah. in that same class as us army, all Americans, that was pretty special. Uh, we don't, that doesn't happen very often. I don't know if I'll ever have two in one class mm-hmm. and partly because you've got to be recruited at an elite level. So early, that's mm-hmm. kind of how those nominations work. And that what's interesting out of that deal is Cameron, he was the first kid invited to because he won the Coles kicking contest. So in the kicking world, they mm-hmm. you kick for your spot. Like it's not selected. You kick to get in. And he, he got in through a kicking competition like January, a year before he – well, he in, early enrolled, but it was like a year before he early enrolled. So – that was nuts because um, you're like, he didn't even have any Division One offers. He had nothing. And you're like, you're just named an All-American. So, anyways, those are pretty – those two are pretty darn special. I may or may not have a hogs hat below me, and I may or may not have gone and called the hogs a couple of times this year um, with our family. But um, that one's pretty nice. – those two right there are pretty special for me. Nice. Yeah, it's but, really good to hear. But I'll say this. I'll say this. I talk a lot about the biggest – um, the biggest um, recruits, and obviously they get a lot of notoriety. Man, I'm thrilled when a kid signs at Emporia. I'm thrilled when a kid signs at Oklahoma Baptist or Arkansas Tech or, um, you know, North Dakota State or UCO or Southern Nazarene. Man, I'm thrilled with that. 
Um, I'm thrilled when kids find the right spot for them. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple on the girl side that I think are really interesting. Like, I had a girl come to me a couple years ago and she was playing at Purdue and was really struggling on the soccer pitch and was considering transferring. And, you know, freshman year was hard and she was a super smart kid, like 28 ACT, 29 ACT and four point whatever. And, and now she's at American university in Washington, DC and thriving and having success. And that's awesome. Right. To find her a new home, or I give you one that uh, I love, um, a girl that is getting ready to go to Stephen F. Austin. She didn't play. She played at Alito High School. Her name is Reagan Kratcha. And um, she decided that she wanted to still play on the same club team that she had played on for a while or similar club team. And in the world of soccer, the, the high, one of the highest levels is what they call ECNL. And she had an opportunity to do that, but that was going to require her to have to do two or three days of an hour commute one way. And she's just like, I don't want to do that. That, that's, that doesn't make sense traveling that much in the DFW area, you know, two having a two hour commute, basically uh, three or four days a week. She didn't want any part of that. And so she decided to play down the league, down the level um, and still got a division one scholarship. Why? She had a great video. She went to camp there. She communicated often. She did all the things that you would want a recruit to do. And there's even a cool video that's out from the coach at their signing day event a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, we really weren't recruiting her, but she kept showing up. Mm-hmm. She could, she could play a different position. She, you know, competed in different sports. She had great grades. She, she did all the things in communication she would want. So, all of these big recruits get all the attention, but I love also the ones that you guys have never heard about and you won't ever hear about. Their stories are just as important because they needed as much help or more yeah. than the ones that are going to go to the OUs and OSUs out there. Yeah. yeah, it's really good to hear those types of stories. That's, I mean, that's really what you want to hear about. You want to hear about the the little coverage athlete that you helped get to a uh, to the next level i mean it's impressive really uh do you guys do anything with baseball we do um we have a handful of baseball kids all across the country um we have um i had a kid in december signed with mount hood junior college last year had one um signed with bishop state down in uh, mississippi big six five left-handed relief pit- or left-handed pitcher um we have a couple um 24s and 25s right now uh, a couple in Kansas City that we're working with in the world of baseball. So um, baseball is a little different. Um, the the calendar shapes a little differently. Um, the influx of the draft changes rosters. It's really would be probably the toughest to manage a roster in baseball than any sport. And then um, the influx of um, kids and dependency on the um, junior college ranks is very different. So, you know, majority of kids uh, that are going to a four-year school, they're, you know, the data now is that their their path there is kind of through the junior college ranks. Because you need reps. You need at-bats. You need pitches. And, and you can't get that if you're sitting on the sidelines. And so, um, you know, when you're dealing with a 35- to 40-man roster, um, you, you're going to need to get on the field. And so a lot of the ways that kids are doing that is, is – uh, it's kind of going through the junior college route. But, I mean, you know, if you're an elite kid, you know, you're an elite kid. It starts super early. If you're an elite kid in baseball, I mean, you're really by your eighth, ninth grade year, 
they've kind of pinpointed the major college kind of SEC, Big 12, Big 10 kids. Um, and then if you kind of get past that, then you kind of are looking at your options. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, you know, um, there's, there's plenty of them out there. The other piece of baseball is that you're dealing with, it's an equivalency sport. And so you don't have full scholarships. And so kids are dependent on, you know, uh, aid coming through either grants, loans, uh, academic scholarships, or certainly some baseball. And so junior college gives you an opportunity to get some of that paid for because they've got a bigger chunk of scholarships in junior college baseball than your uh, division one or division two schools do. So, yeah, um, we got kids in every sport. I mean, I've had powerlifting. Oh, wow. Track. I've had uh, cross country. I had a kid sign division two cross country this just a couple weeks ago. Um Certainly, uh, men's and women's basketball. Um, we've got a bulk of football kids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just about everything. It's all a little bit different. Like, it's about, like, 80-20. Like, there's a lot of the fundamental things that I teach in recruiting and communication and so forth that apply. But kind of your network and your, um, uh, you know, just the nuance of how you evaluate and where, what level they can play at are very, very different. Those things are different, but some of the basics are really the same. So it's kind of the 80, 20 or 70, 30 rule. Yeah. Uh, last question, Brian, before we get off here. And I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, hearing you for the first time, it's just very great and encouraging to kind of hear your heart. Uh, I know it's genuine and you talked in your, uh, I was doing some research on recruit route and, it, you know, a Christ centered uh, business and yep. we're all, we're all Christ followers on here. That's really attractive. I think to see that. And I'm, I'm, I'm a father of three boys. And I know that if I'm looking for someone, if, if they ever had a chance to, to go to the next level, that's very attractive to see someone that's focused on Christ. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a, you know, a minute or so if you wanted to talk about uh, that aspect and being Christ centered. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a huge part of it. I mean, I really, we think about this, my wife and I, this is our ministry, you know, like it comes out a little different, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a pulpit each week, um, you know, but, but this is my ministry. I get to make an impact on kids and parents and families and coaches lives. And so we certainly think about that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think God's called me to help um, people in this in this way, and um, you know that that uh, that comes with a lot of um, uh, you know a, a lot of responsibility. But at the same time, you know I know that this is what you know I'm I'm supposed to be doing. I'm I'm working on a session here, Jeremy, that I've got to speak in a couple. I've got to speak at a couple of events here. Um, and it's really about, you know, kind of harnessing your passion into your purpose. And for me, you know, I started being around sports, you know, when I was 10 years old at, at a Final Four in 1986 in Dallas, Texas. Mm. And now to be 46 years old, and I really don't think I'm that old, guys. I'll be honest with you. I feel about 25. Um, but to take my passion and be able to make it my purpose, that's really been pretty cool to do. And so – um, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, um, I never, you know, I, I didn't know how all this was going to work out. I just knew I needed to work, you know, super hard and, um, you know, just keep grinding and, you know, be around good people and surround yourself with good people and then put, you know, put Christ number one, you know, as critically important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up, I mean, I remember going to my first FCA event when I was, 
know, 13 years old and, 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 uh, and that's that, that, that ministry of sport was just a big piece of who I was. It kept me plugged in. It allowed me to go to get my, a bunch of my school paid for to Christian college. It's allowed me to raise, you know, two teenage daughters now and to, you know, think uh, about what we're doing um, as a family. So, man, you know, it's not easy being a, a man of God and a person of faith, but that, you know, just because it's not easy doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. So I'm certainly blessed to be here and blessed to have an awesome family, but, you know, blessed to know that, you know, God's really watched out for me and my family and watched out for what we're doing with the agency and recruit route. And he's blessed us and he's blessed a lot of kids that we've been uh, a part of um, through this ministry. So thanks for bringing that up, Jeremy. Awesome, Brian. Well, hey, once again, just we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. If you could just kind of kind of give our listeners a, a way they can contact you, just kind of say that and we'll yeah. close with that. So. Yeah, sure. Well, probably the easiest thing is on the Twitter or Instagram or Facebook machine, just type in recruit route or recruit underscore route. You can find it on all the kind of normal social channels that are out there. Um, you can go to recruit-route.com or thebedfordagency.com um, for information there. And then um, you can send me a direct message on any of the social platforms, or you can just email recruitroute at gmail.com and I'll check all those and you can reach out anytime any if you got a parent or a family member that has questions around NIL academic eligibility or recruiting or just want to talk ball man I'm here to talk so let's go all right awesome Brian thanks again man have a good yeah. rest of the day appreciate it thank appreciate you Brian it.